episode 85 at Winning at Work. Hey, everybody. I am Tony Moore, and have I got a, a fascinating subject today, and that is the squeeze on fruit. I have never really delved into the world of fruit and the challenges facing the industry, but Juan Galati, my guest, the head of sales here in the United States, is going to share all those details with us. It's a French company. I can't pronounce it, as you'll soon see. But the translation is fruit of the orchard. And one of the really unique things that the fruit industry does to kind of combat the problems of, in this case, uh, pests, they have a, a technology of um, called, fruit, uh, called citrus greening. So we're going to touch on that a little bit. It's very difficult to commoditize fruit. I think the you know, to the lay person, you might think fruit is just a commodity. And mind, there could be some, you know, lemons and limes. But when you get beyond that, it's very difficult to do that. So we're going to see all the different challenges that are facing the fruit industry, the trends that are happening in that space. In Juan's background in sales and marketing, he's going to kind of give us his approach, his style, what works. He's such a genuine guy that I think his ability to build relationships and, uh, you know, be passionate about what he does certainly comes through. I think it's what makes them successful. And I think that's really a theme across all my guests, particularly in sales and marketing. If you're not passionate about your product, I mean, just don't even bother. I mean, food and beverage is such a, a passion-based, you know, sensual-based type of, of industry. If you can't get behind it, then find another food, find another category that you do because you're going to get crushed by your competitors because they do. But the good news is he does, and that shines through. I hope you guys enjoy this episode on fruit, as I have aptly named the squeeze on the fruit industry because it's real. And I hope you guys do decide to connect with Juan afterwards. You'll be able to find his link to uh, LinkedIn. You can connect with him there and kind of carry on the conversation. And yeah, if you guys are enjoying the content, be sure that you share this on LinkedIn so your network gets exposed to it. And that'll kind of carry his influence a little further. It'll carry my influence a little further. You can also subscribe on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Welcome to Winning at Work, everybody. This is Tony Moore. I am your host. And today I have Juan Galati on. He is the head of sales and marketing for a French company. And I have to be honest, I've been, um, I've, I've been on the internet and I've been, I, I've, I, I've given it my, I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm just an American. I don't speak French. Levrosy Boyhon. Oh my, oh my. Well done for trying, Tony. <laughs> Close enough. Le Verger Boiron. Anyways, uh, thank you for having me, and it's a pleasure to be here, Tony. That was... That was actually close. I mean, that was at least 60%, right? Maybe? <laughs> I'll give you 60. That's okay. You can get 51%. We'll go with that. Uh, uh, we'll go with over 50. So, uh, it's a... I'm fascinated by the fruit industry because I'm, I'm always so curious how fruit is turned into such, in, you know, incredible creations. Obviously it's used in so many different platforms all across the, the, the food and beverage world. This is your area. This is your area of expertise. You obviously with the head of sales and marketing for this French based company, I'm really looking forward to diving into our main theme. And that is, you know, how do you sell? How do you create and 
position your your value statement, your value proposition in what is perceived to be a commodity space. And before we get into that, obviously there's a lot of trends in the food world, uh, in, in the fruit world that I really want us to to dive into. And then of course we'll finish up with a little bit about uh, talent and how you can help a hiring leader. So Juan, with all of that, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Le Vosges Boihon? Say it again. <laughs> Le Vosges. Le Vosges. <laughs> Le Vosges. Yeah, which means the orchards of uh, Bueno. So it's a family name. And I'll tell you a little bit. Thank you for, for the introduction, Tony. Uh, yeah, the, the company has been, it's family owned, been around for over 76 years. It was founded back in the 1940s in France. Uh, right now, the person running the company is the grandson of the founder. Um, you know, we have about 200 employees. We sell into 80 different countries, and we have uh, several subsidiaries, uh, one of them being uh, here in the U.S. Uh, for the Americas, which um, I'm the head of sales and marketing for, for, for the subsidiary. We have other offices in Hong Kong and in, uh, in Europe, well, in, in France, in Valence, where the company's from, actually Robotin, to, to be exact. And then we're opening up uh, an office in, uh, in the U.K., in London. So it's uh, been around for a while. We're the industry leaders when it comes to frozen fruit purees. Uh, we've been sourcing fruit since the wee days. <laughs> and we're the pioneers uh, when it comes to this. You know, we actually brought the frozen fruit puree uh, into the U.S. back in the 1970s, and it's become a, a staple when using uh, any type of fruit solutions for uh, when it comes for like you know cooks, bartenders, uh, pastry chefs, and and so on and so on. Anyone who uses any type of fruit. And uh, yes, and I'm here to basically get, you know tell you a little bit, little bit about some of the trends and things that are happening in the industry, uh, uh, considering everything that's happened the past year and it's still kind of going. You know, it's been unprecedented with you know with COVID and uh, everyone having to adjust the way they work and they do things. It's been you know an, an adjustment, let's call it. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> a lot of pressure. A lot yes. of pressure has been put on every company and supply chains. Well, before we get to that, though, tell us a little bit more, though, about the, the different types of products and how the professional chefs and bartenders and, and pastry chefs, how they might be using your product. Give us a little more color or texture around that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so our products were designed and made for pastry chefs originally. So uh, they're, they're used for making uh, desserts, uh, for making pastries, uh, anything that has any some sort of fruit, you can use our products. And, uh, and it's really become very gourmet-ish, let's say, or that's been, you know, you've, you've had a little bit of a, uh, um, of a label placed on it, but it's become a lot more mainstream as time has gone on. And now we have, um, you know, we have not just chefs using our products, but we have foodies. We have people who, who, um, who buy our purees and who use them for, to, to make their, uh, their, their creations to emulate and, 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 you know, from what they're seeing on TV or, or just from their creativity. Um, and, and not just, uh, pastry chefs, you know, we, we work with bartenders, uh, a lot of bartenders, uh, uh, mixologists, uh, some call them, uh, and uh, they, they use our product to make uh, cocktails, you know, um, from, from like a strawberry margarita uh, to, um, you know, to, 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 to vodka tonic with, with, uh, with lime uh, to, to anything you can imagine. Um, you know, it's interesting because this, 
didn't used to be the case uh, with um, when it comes to bartenders. Bartenders uh, have not been doing this for uh, for the last you know eighty years. Uh, they've only been doing it for for a few decades. Um, you know, bartenders have gotten a little bit more uh, ex- experimental. They've you know discovered that. Uh, you know, they were in the back of the kitchen, basically, and they started to go up in the, you know, they were actually in the front of the kitchen. They went to the back of the kitchen to, to find ingredients and inspiration. And, um, you know, they found our purees uh, to play around with. And and now you have uh, some of the best uh, bartenders in the world and bars that use our products. <laughs> and people get to enjoy them day to day. So would you say this is a premium uh, you know, a high value add within this space uh, because there's a huge trend. This whole premiumization of a category. Would you do you think you fit into that that space? Yeah, we fit uh, in, in the premium space, uh, and it's mainly well, it has to do for many many different reasons. Um, we, we can talk about the the way we we source our products. Um, uh, we only you know we source uh, the fruit uh, from all over the world. Uh, we source the best of the best. We have a very high, uh, you know, picking process in terms of like quality control processes, in terms of like making sure that we have the right quality. Uh, you know, our ideal situation is to be able to uh, get the fruit at the peak of its season, <laughs> be able to, 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 to get that and then uh, um, process it, freeze it. And, and ship it over to, uh, to to our consumers, to our end users, and that's and that's done in France, correct? Yes, exactly. Everything's done in France. We source products from all over the world. Uh, we're bringing uh, all of that to France, whether it is you know a passion fruit from Ecuador, whether it's a watermelon from um, from Vietnam, whether they're locally sourced fruit uh, like uh, like like blood peach from France, or even uh, let's say grapefruit, which we get from both you know the U.S. and Israel. And we bring those uh, all together to to our, our factory in, in Balance, and we uh, were able to um, you know crush the fruit, uh, puree it, and then package it into our um, you know little trays, containers, and uh, and even buckets for some of our you know our, our bigger customers who who use a lot of our products. And those then you know after the, that's processed, everything that's sorted out, everything's tested. Uh, we, uh, we, you know, of course, it's packaged and we ship it out to 80 different countries. That is what every foodie wants. The highest, best quality, best yield produced there in France. And that's got to be very challenging when you're talking about picking things at the, you know, at the peak, you know, ripe season when you've got, you know, all the environmental factors that affect crops. So it must be a very challenging business that, you know, we don't really see, you know, on the consumer end, but on the back end, you know, pulling all that together, um, it's, it's got to be very, um, very challenging to, to forecast. Uh, yeah, forecasting, that's, that's a big thing. It's, right, it's very, right. very complicated. Forecasting Mother Nature and yield has got to be, yeah, you pull your hair out. You do, and you have to do it in advance because you have to set up the crops, you have to, you know, the orchards, you have to set the fruit, you know, ahead of time. Uh, because, you know, one of the things that we that we do very well is uh, we are um, we partner up with uh, with growers and uh, and we set things up uh, in terms of our needs for for the next year or years and uh, and uh, and the type of quality that we want. And, uh, and and that can be very very challenging because uh, although in in um, 
you know, ideally, you know, we want to have a perfect yield. We, we know exactly how much we want that that's never the case. <laughs> um, as you were talking about, we, we, we have climate change. Uh, it's a big, big issue, uh, for, for the fruit industry. You know, we have certain parts of the world that, that were very stable when it came to the same type of climate and that has changed and shifted. Uh, so that, that messes up the, the yield of the fruit itself. So that is one of the things that we're dealing with. That's, that's, that's a complication. Uh, another one is, uh, that more, most recently has to do with labor shortages, uh, due to COVID. Uh, we've had a lot of people, uh, uh, not able to go to work. Uh, kind of people that, that have not been able to, 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 to source the, the fruit and the amount that, that, uh, uh, that is needed and demanded by the world. So that has been, uh, quite complicated. Uh, another, another, uh, factor has to do particularly with our citrus. Uh, I can talk a little bit about something called citrus greening if you're interested. <laughs> yeah, you have to explain this. We touched, you touched on it a little bit before and I, you kind of piqued my interest. So what is, Citrus greening. Yeah, so basically for citrus uh, across the world, there's uh, this bug that uh, came into effect years ago that that uh, destroys the uh, the trees themselves, which are the orchards, and and um, and it's something that can can get it's just it's a bug and it gets into the root of the uh, of the trees, and and this what it does it um, it diminishes the the yield, it diminishes you know how. How uh, you know the, the the sugar content of the of, of, of the fruit itself, the bricks level as we call it, um, and, and sometimes the fruit will not even grow from some, from some of these, and it's it's, it's a big problem for us because uh, I'll, I'll give you some numbers. Um, you know, particularly here in the U.S., uh, we produce a lot of fruit <laughs> here, and um, particularly citrus coming from both you know let's say mainly Florida. Um, uh, California and, and even more now from Texas. And it's, it's something that has really diminished the, the output and the amount of fruit that we've been able to produce here in the U.S., uh, to the point that it's only a fraction of, you know, of what it used to be, you know, you know, a decade ago, uh, where we're, we're talking about, uh, maybe, uh, right now we're at a fifth of the production of we were maybe 15, 15, 20 years ago. In the US. Yeah. Like a fifth of the production. Is there and, any known solution or you know well, treatment to take care of this bug? Well, yes, uh, the, the, there is. Uh, one of them is basically <laughs> leaving your land fallow and, and treating it, uh, and it can take uh, up to a few years uh, for it to get back to normal. And who has that time? <laughs> it's it's complicated. It takes a lot of uh, time, a lot of effort, a lot of money, and, and a big loss, right? If you're not producing. Huge loss, huge loss, uh, you know, and this is also deterring uh, people and, you know, family farms and orchards from, uh, uh, from, from changing a crop or changing it you know, from fruit to something else that's going to be uh, a lot more profitable for them because they can't sustain. And this has also been a, a problem for in terms of the, the supply. Uh, and then, uh, what, what, uh, an actual solution, uh, that's, uh, that's immediate and it should, you know, doesn't take that long involves, uh, genetically mo modifying <laughs> the, the actual, um, which is what nobody itself. wants. Nobody wants GMO, you know? Yeah. G GMO is a, a project, uh, subject, you know, it's, uh, uh, particularly with this, you know, you can actually cross breed, uh, for instance, like, uh, like an, let's say, uh, um, an orange, uh, tree and you can, uh, orange and you can, and you can, cross that with, uh, with, um, with some sort of vegetable like, like spinach. And what that does is like, uh, the, 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 the orchard itself will have actually, uh, the spinach roots 
and the, that are resistant to this bug, ah. but then it will yield, you know, actual oranges. And there are a, a lot of studies that are being conducted in the, you know, particularly in Florida and even in California about this. And it's also happening all over, all over the world. You know, it's happening in, in Brazil, big, big producer of citrus. Uh, it's happening in, um, you know, places like Spain or Morocco, also big, big uh, citrus producers. Uh, and, but not, uh, not, not as much in places like, for instance, like Australia that are still, uh, that they're, they're actually doing well with their, with their growth. So. Well, every time, you know, I'm, I'm reading up on what's happening in the farming world, I'm always noticing there's this kind of underlying influence, you know, from the government with subsidies. Does that, does that kind of play into what happens in, in the fruit world as well? It does. It certainly does. Um, you know, uh, subsidies are supposed to protect farmers in theory, uh, but sometimes it, it just, it, it's, it's only meant to be uh, temporarily, but some subsidies just are implemented for a much longer period of time than were intended. And it does affect, um, you know, the fruit that, that we can get in certain places, uh, you know, particularly here in the U.S., um, you know, there, there are certain, uh, subsidies and certain things, you know, regarding, you know, our, our red berries, <laughs> things that we grow, like, uh, you know, whether it's a cranberry, whether it's a, a strawberry, where it's a, you know, uh, raspberry itself even. And, and, and those are highly protected. Um, and, 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 and that, that actually blocks, uh, uh, companies like, like ours from actually bringing product in as well. So it's a, it's a good, it's a bad, it's depending on how you see it, but, but it does really affect uh, th- how things work. Uh, Cause you know, if countries that have also have very high subsidies, they, they're, they're, the barrier of entry is a lot higher, uh, whether it is uh, from a price uh, perspective or quality, uh, it becomes a, a little complicated to do business. Uh, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's like red, red berries and so on. I mean, the, the pastry chef can only absorb, or the bartender, the company can only absorb so many cost increases. Eventually, you know, we, the consumer, end up paying more for these things. And here are the reasons why. You've got all these, you know, factors kind of in the background, not to mention all the things happening in supply chain. Uh, yeah, of course. It's, you know, at the end of the day, the people who end up uh, paying for this are the uh, consumers, uh, so if, uh, so, you know, don't be surprised as <laughs> prices continue to rise, especially with fruit around the world and how that is, uh, uh, and how we are affected by, by that on our day to day, uh, you know, shopping, you know, we'll go to the grocery store and we, you know, we, we want to buy a few, a few pounds of, uh, of apples or oranges. And even, even if we want to get like a watermelon, um, you know, it's uh, there are several things to consider. What one of them? Where is it from? Uh, another one is it? Uh, what about the season? Uh, is, is it in season or not? And then, of course, you know, you're 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 dealing with, uh, um, you know, with all these associated costs that people are not necessarily aware of uh, directly. But if you explain it to them and you realize, you can see it on a day to day basis. As we we're discussing, you know, uh, we're talking about the, you know, subsidies that they affect this. We're talking about the, uh, uh, climate change is a big one. We're talking about, you know, of course, COVID that has been, uh, an enor- has had an enormous effect in, in supply chain, uh, even to the point where, you know, some, some places where we were sourcing from, uh, fruit from, uh, are, are not growing any fruit anymore because they don't have enough people. <laughs> and that's, 
No, and, and, and it's interesting um, because even right now, as we see it, I was talking about the red bears, you know, also like uh, some like, like apricot and peaches are going to go up in price as well because of the poor season. And, and, and we can, you know, being in this industry, being in this business, we can see the immediate effect and what's going to happen six six to 12 months down the line. <laughs> um, and, and that's fascinating. And, and that's, and that's also, you know, that's also something that I'm very passionate about and why I got into the food industry and in particularly with fruit. It's just understanding that something so small or something so particular where, you know, there are like uh, hundreds of varieties of different fruits out there. Um, you know, we, we work with about 75 to 80 of them and, uh, and, and being able to see that and how it, uh, you know, something so small can affect everyone in the world is just quite unique and very, you know, very interesting and just, it's very amusing as well. Yeah. It, this does not sound like a commodity. I mean, just going through all these concerns to me makes it feel like this is definitely not a commodity, but it's not what we think, right? It's, it's how it's perceived. So this is what you're dealing with is kind of overcoming this commodity myth. You know, how do you, you know, position yourself. What is that value proposition? How, how do you go about uh, keeping your margins in, in this space? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's very important to realize that that fruit itself, uh, you know, even though some can be commoditized, some, you know, you're using kind of this amount of like, you know, let's say a lemon, let's say lime that everyone consumes a lot of, particularly a lot of, you know, chefs use them, uh, bartenders, uh, you know, even people in their day-to-day lives use them. Uh, and, and these have become, come on, but most fruit ha- ha- has not. And it's become actually a lot more <laughs> scarce than people realize. And, and it's, it's, you know, in this day and age, you have to really differentiate yourself, you know, how, uh, like a, a fruit, you know, a, a, an orange is not an orange. <laughs> One orange is not the same as another different orange. You, know, you have different varieties of it and you have different, you know, uh, places where they've been grown and different, uh, you know, uh, bricks levels. Uh, you have, you know, so many intricacies within that that you, you can't really commoditize it. And then when people do want to commoditize it, just, it's, it's just too much to be, to be too general. Um, so one of the things that we do, you know, as a company itself, uh, you know, we, we make sure that, you know, we're always going to provide, uh, the, the, the best possible fruit out there. So you're going to get the best quality. So when people taste our, our mango, for instance, when they taste our passion fruit, if people are going to taste the difference, they're going to be, okay, this is like really high quality stuff. And it's, and it's, um, and it's at the peak of its season and we can have it all year long. You don't have to deal with the seasonality of having like a, 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 a you know, a fresh fruit and just having it at the peak of the season. You can have it all year long. And that's something that, that becomes, uh, very valuable, uh, for, for, for chefs, very valuable for, for people to have as, you know, as, uh, as they want to have probably the best experience, uh, you know, using our products. Um, so that's one of the things that makes it different. Another thing, something that we do is, uh, or I think it's something that's important for everybody today is to, um, you know, what you do in general, at least for us, there are probably like a dozen other puree companies out there and what will make us different. What makes it different also is being closer to people, understanding their needs, um, you know, understanding, you know, what the trends are, what people want and what they don't want and be able to use that feedback to, to make changes and improvements of what, 
when everything and people may say oh what a fruit is a fruit no no it's a little more complicated than that as <laughs> you've so, shown yeah so, so one of the things that, that's really interesting what something that we're doing is that uh, we have a proprietary blending technique and we use different types of uh, varieties of the same type of fruit <laughs> where you know whether it's like I'll go with mango whether it's a an Alfonso mango or a Casar mango we, we do we have variations of it and it's just not exactly the same. So it becomes more of an art. It becomes like a little bit of a science. <laughs> We're just trying to perfect and there's always room for improvement. So when you have something like this, I, you know, I don't really see it how it can be so commoditized or how people can just put it in just one big bucket. It's like when people, it's, it's like cheese. It's like wine. <laughs> well, you know what it's it just, is? It's an uneducated buyer. An uneducated buyer thinks it's a commodity. But your experienced user knows clearly that this is very far from that. Exactly. And, and, and that's why also we've built a nice reputation around this, you know, where people value our, what we have. And also there, there are times where you're not going to get even – this goes back to the sourcing, which I think is so important. You know, if, if something does, doesn't meet our quality criteria, we're going to reject batches. We're, we're not going to make product if it doesn't meet that we had something like this happen two years ago with passion fruit where the quality of it was just not too up to our standards and, and we decided to like you know do not produce for a while and we were we were out of product for a little bit and uh and, and that was bad immediately but, but then afterwards you know once we got back on track we started producing more and we were there to to the point where we we're okay we're happy with the quality people actually thanked us for it because they're like, you know what, that really shows that you guys care. You're not just selling product for the sake of selling product. And uh, and that goes back to our trans- also to our transparency. We're very transparent. I mean, it's good to be a transparent person. Uh, nowadays, people want to know, you know, what you're buying. You know, the, whether they're the ingredients, whether how, how it's being processed, uh, what's what's happening behind the scenes. Um, you know, whether it's you know, in terms of like, um, you know, if 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 if, if, if you're tr- you know if you're actually partner up with your growers, if you're treating those growers in, in, in a rightful way, or if you're mistreating them, people want to know that. <laughs> people want to understand that. And they care about the world. People care about what's happening. And it's not just a buy, it's about buying a product and that's it. And that's the way, at least I feel about our company and how I feel about our products and how I feel about the industry itself. I was talking to someone not long ago and they said they ordered some fish and it came with a little flag kind of stuck in the fish and it had a little teeny QR code on it. And you could take your phone out and launch and you could see the captain, you could see the boat, you could see, you know, I, I guess in theory, you know, where it came from. And this this trend is continuing with the technology, with the QR codes, tracking, you know, back where the where the fruit or where the product is being grown. And, and the climate, it's people are definitely. It's not a trend anymore. That's good for you. Um, I don't. Want, I don't know what you call it. It's not a trend. It's not a phase. It's just the the good for you movement. It's it's a reality. You are what you eat. People want to know what's in the in what they're eating. <laughs> they want to know where it's from. It goes back to that. I think it's wonderful what they did with the fish. You know, with ours, our products also, you can see, you know, the country of origin. You can see, you know, where, where things are coming from, which is important. That transparency is great. Also, you know, one of the trends is people want less processed products as well with the least amount of ingredients. And that's what we do. And that's what we want to provide for, 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 for our consumers. 
And right. You want to look at just, something. Yeah. I mean, you want to look at a puree and see the main fruit and very little else. Exactly. And and then what you were talking about, you know, with, 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 with fish, you know, it also uh, what's interesting is, you know, it's not just about just selling a product. <laughs> you want to also, you know, ways to promote your, your company, ways to promote, you know, what you do is the story behind it. You know, it's, it's important for, for people want to do business with companies that they're morally aligned with. And that's becoming much more prevalent, much more apparent, you know, with my everyday talk with not with speaking with, 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 with chefs, talking with bartenders, talking with everyday people. That is something that people want. You know, they want to feel good about what they're eating or what they're using uh, and, 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 and their ingredients for, for making whatever product they want to make or, or, or whether it's, you know, drinks, whether it's, you know, uh, pastries, whether dessert, whether it's a main dish, whether you're making a vinaigrette, uh, whatever it may be. So that's really, that's, that's really important. And, and, you know, and, and that's, and that's the wonderful thing also about the, uh, the story of what you know, the, the, the fact that, you know, we're family owned, we've been around, you know, since the 1940s and how we came about to becoming the company that we are today. <laughs> you know, and that I, transparency you talk about though, that's a double-edged sword because people are discovering as companies become more transparent or news comes out, they will reject a company. They will re reject a brand. I'm just going to throw out some big name companies. They have really nothing to do with us, but you think about Nike, you think about Apple, you know, when people find out, you know, where things are being made and maybe the working conditions, for example, that kind of transparency is just bad news. People are really turned off. I know there's people that just won't buy Nike because they know that, you know, they're made overseas and you might hear of a sweatshop or something. So, you know, transparency can definitely work to your favor because people do want to feel good about their products. They want to feel that it, it's a it's an expression of how they live their lives, and when you are a morally and socially and you know economically you know sound company, they they feel good about it, and I think everyone can benefit in in the value chain you know from from that story. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, I think overall as a society, I think there's a wonderful thing, just being more transparent, being able to see what's what's there, just like you mentioned with, with Nike, with Apple, there are countless other uh, companies out there that are doing, you know, things that are maybe morally great for some people, all right? And that's why we have choices and that's why we have options. And that's a wonderful thing about today. Now, just like we have an Apple, we have, you know, we have a, a, a Samsung, we have Nokia, we have like, we, we have a lot of different companies that we can, uh, you know, use as an alternative as well. And, but from, you know, the company I'm with, you know, with, uh, with one on itself, it, it is a very positive thing because we want to show people, you know what, we are different. We're doing everything right. Uh, the, the way we, you know, we think that consumers should be, you know, uh, how that you should be using our products, what it should be in it is very important to us. Bigger companies are the ones who can be affected the most, the ones that have been very established. And I think a lot of them are going to take a, a big hit, <laughs> especially with newer consumers that really care about this. Um, but a medium-sized company like ours, I think will benefit a lot. Smaller companies out there, I think it's going to, it's wonderful because it, it promotes innovation, promotes more transparency, and it's just better just for the industry. I, I'd rather know than not know. Well, I want to get your opinion because you are in sales and marketing and we can discuss kind of theoretically, you know, what a 
what a sound value proposition is. We can talk about storytelling, but, you know, practically speaking, you know, when you do approach a new customer or a vendor distributor, how do you convey this? What's your, your method? Well, you got to have your elevator pitch. You got to keep it short and sweet, <laughs> and go and go straight to 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 the point on what you want to do. And it's and it's conveying um, an emotion that you want from them. You want them to to feel that they can trust you, that they can they can believe in the brand in one way or another. So you want to convey a story, and then convey all these points that we talked about it a little more extensively than you probably should in, in a very like one page type of memo that you can that you can repeat within you know uh two to three minutes long and uh and and that's that's the approach that for instance i would recommend for for people and then to take what makes you different and your strengths and and, and apply and mention those within that three minute uh value proposition and that will make you you know stand out and it's not about Bashing the competitors is not about, you know, speaking ill of others, but it's about focusing on your products or services, let's say, um, that, you, that you propose. And, and, and for us, I think I've mentioned it, but, you know, for us would be, you know, basically that we're family owned, uh, that we're, um, we're, we're, we're a uh, transparent company. Uh, we are the pioneers in the, in the industry when it comes to fruit solutions, particularly uh, fruit purees. Uh, uh, we have minimal ingredients. Uh, we are uh, minimally processed, and um, and that we guarantee that you will have the highest quality product out there in the market. Well, you haven't said this, but there's a certain je ne sais quoi about saying that comp the product, the the solution is coming out of France versus we make this out of Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> I mean, you haven't touched on the, you know, the fact that, you know, France is, some would say the very, if not the center, very, very close to the center of the food world. I mean, maybe New York, you know, could, could, could make a run for you or maybe parts of LA, but there's no coincidence that you guys are based out of, out of France. Yeah, and and that's and that's one that's a big plus, <laughs> considering that that the French are uh, very um, really care about the quality uh, of the products, quality of the services, um, and it, it you know France has been the center of the culinary world, at least the, the the gourmet world, for a long time. You know, some of the best or most of the best chefs in the world end up being uh, end up going to school in France or, or being taught by French uh, chefs <laughs> on uh, about uh, about the culinary world and what to do and, uh, and it definitely is a big plus um, and it does give you a lot of credibility uh, does that mean that every French product is amazing and it's the best of the world no certainly not but <laughs> no but, but it helps it helps it definitely yeah. <laughs> I mean it, it it definitely has a better ring than and you know my apologies to Mobile Alabama if you're listening right now okay sorry <laughs> but <laughs> you're not the center of the culinary uh, world you're 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 not food forward I don't think yeah but but you know what's what's so wonderful about t- today this today in terms of like uh in terms of the culinary world itself is as much as we you know when I say yeah the French have done a great job throughout history whatever it may be like you, like you said in in New York in like San Francisco 
in other places in the world, you can find some great cuisine. Places like, for instance, Barcelona. I think Barcelona is the, the city with the, the highest amount of uh, Michelin star chef uh, restaurants in the world uh, per capita. Uh, and, and there are many different uh, gastronomical centers and, and cities. And, and everything's so infused, everything's so globalized that it's wonderful that anywhere in the world, you will be able to experience French cuisine, American cuisine, other types of cuisine from all over the place. And, and, and I, I personally love that. So, so the, 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 those gaps and those bridges are, are, are just like getting closer together and, and you're eliminating some of the blocks of like accessibility for, for like all these types of ingredients and all these creations. And, and now you can, you know, you can be part of this world. You can be part of the system and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. And as much as I'm proud of working for a French company of food, you know what? Here in the U.S., we Americans, we have some great cuisine. We have some amazing chefs. Uh, even, 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 you know, if, if we go over, we're talking about food and everything, even mixologists, you know, in terms of the creations, this is, you know, like the, the, this is one of the centers of the world when it comes to like, um, you know, for bartenders, <laughs> uh, that, that, that's, that's seen around the world as, as, uh, as, um, you know, as the experts and, uh, and, 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 and you know, and like I said, it's, it's, pr- I feel very prideful about, about this. I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, about this, uh, point that you, uh, <laughs> something that, that, that stands out in terms of like the, uh, uh, the origin. But remember, this is fruit from all over the world. So we're celebrating food. We're celebrating fruit. We're celebrating the world and what it, the world has to offer. So it's not just about being French or American. It's about being, That's good. you know, I like that spin. You're obviously, this is why you're head of sales and marketing. I'm going to make a note here at 3522. I'm going to go check upstairs. I heard my dog bark. I don't know if this is the HVAC guy. Give me <laughs> 10 seconds. Yeah, no problem. Go do your thing. Okay, great. That was my wife getting home, so we can just keep right on rolling. Okay. Here one at the, 36. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. One of the topics I did want to talk about was uh, fruitology, uh, which is uh, basically the study of fruit. It's the language of fruit, to be exact. Uh, just like you have, you know, the study of like wines, uh, even the study of beer, uh, cheese. Now we've created the study of fruit itself. So, that's something that we're developing, creating a sensory analysis based on all of our products. And that is something that uh, is going to be uh, implemented in the near future as to how to describe fruit itself. <laughs> that's that's cool. I saw it on your me. website. It's, I, I saw it on your website. It looked like a – well, for people you – know, this is an audio. So the, the visual would be – think of a, of a color wheel you know, where it just kind of spins around. I noticed you have this flywheel with all the different fruits and colors. What's the, um, what's the end goal, the result of having this study in fruitology? 
So the end goal is basically to just quantify the intensity of the flavors, <laughs> whether it is a color, whether, whether, whether it's uh, how sour something is, how sweet something is, if it's something is like flowery, whatever it may be, to add uh, descriptions to this so that people are able to use this language for anything related to fruit. <laughs> so it just educates the population. It just, we're talking about, you know, how did this, this isn't a commodity necessarily. So this helps it stand out. This helps the fruit stand out as well. So the end goal is just education. It's, uh, you know, uh, ma making sure that people understand the difference between, you know, one type of fruit and a different type of fruit. You know, not, not all strawberries are the same. <laughs> and we can describe that. <laughs> uh, not all mangoes are the same. Not all coconut uh, are the same. And this describes that specifically. So and I think someone... this solidifies your space as an expert as well when you go through this premiumization of, of your fruit. Exactly. And that's, and that's a big differentiator and something that we want ourselves, because we've been doing this for so long, we want to be able to share our love for the fruit <laughs> and share our love for all this knowledge so that everyone gets you know, understands what it takes to, to, for, for, for our purees to be in front of you or our purees to be used in some of the best creations in the world. So, and I imagine it takes the guesswork out for the people who aren't foodies who want to experiment. And speaking of just getting access to your products, how would someone go about gaining access to your fruit or your purees or the other kind of fruit solutions that you offer? So we're strictly a food service company, but we are dabbling onto a little bit on the e-commerce and a little bit on the retail through some of our uh, distributors, particularly here in the U.S. Uh, you can actually just Google it. You know, you can buy our, our products on Amazon. I think you can buy them on Walmart online. You can buy them on different, many different places. Uh, even on like a place called uh, Webstaurant.com. You can find Wait, our products there. So yeah. Can you repeat that? Webstaurant. So mostly food serve, but you're branching into e-commerce, so there's other ways to find it. That's great. So this is a topic that comes up quite a bit, and it's different for everybody, the superpowers that you might use to win at work. What is it that you do exceptionally well? How is it that you've risen to you know, your, your position as head of sales and marketing? Well, there are, there are several things, but let me just, <laughs> let me isolate maybe one or two different uh, things. One is um, you got to be tenacious. You just got to be persistent. Um, most people, whenever you give them a pitch, whenever you do the people, are, their first reaction is probably going to be no. <laughs> there are very few individuals that just jump in and say yes to everything. Uh, actually, super funny. I was actually uh, watching uh, uh, the Yes Man for the first time with... Uh, uh, with my daughters, my 12 and 10 year, year old daughters. And we're talking about the power of saying yes and being open to possibilities. And, uh, and this is basically yes. Most people are not. <laughs> so this is my superpower being persistent. I push through, you know, you set yourself a goal and you just do everything possible to get there. Um, it's, uh, it's something that has uh, helped me on my personal life to persevere especially when you, uh, when you fail, because you will be failing a lot in life. <laughs> but fortunately, I've been able to succeed more than I failed, and it's been because of that persistence. First attempt in learning, that's what fail 
is failing. First attempt in learning. And failing is very important. People need to learn how to fail as much as succeed. Yeah, you have to give people the permission to fail too, because that's the beginning of learning. I was when I was at the University of Georgia, I was a uh, personal attendant for uh, a young man who unfortunately had cerebral palsy, and uh, he was going after his PhD. And he would, you know, his thing was, you know, look, if I get a hundred on a test, I haven't learned anything. What I'm going to learn is when I don't get a hundred, when I fall short of that, because then he would just go back and just hammer on everything that he didn't know. He said, that's where his learning started. I thought that was kind of interesting because you would think, you know, you do really, really well on a test. You've proven that you've learned something. He didn't look at it that way. He looked at it as learning really began with those gaps. That's, that's a, that's wonderful. And, and you know what, you can take a lot from that. Um, you know, life is about continuous learning and that's how you can improve. You just got to be open to it. Even if you think you're the expert or you know everything there is to know about the topic, you really don't. And, uh, you know, you got to be humble about it. Uh, you know, for us, we are the, uh, like I said, it's, you know, we're experts in the, in the fruit industry. We've been doing this for a long time, but we just can't fall behind and get cocky <laughs> and, 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 and be, and think that, you know, the, the competition is not going to do the same or something else is not going to come out. We're always going to be at the same level. We're always going to succeed. No, we have to continue evolving. We have to continue learning. And we, and, and that goes back to persistence. We have to persist. <laughs> on, on on continuous learning persistence so yeah be a persistent consistent learner well you be, you better be persistent because your competition is never going to stop and as we always say if you're not growing you're dying so you're persistent you've got a, a tenacious attitude anything else in particular that other people might want to emulate yeah uh, one of the things has to do with creating gen- genuine and long-term relationships this is a small world. We have very little time. Uh, we might as well make the best of it. Be nice to people. People will remember. Uh, and then, you know, connect with individuals in ways that uh, just go, that, that goes beyond just like, for instance, selling fruit. I think that has been something that has, uh, has worked very well in terms of, uh, you know, whether, you know, you're able to close a deal are you able to, 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 to create something, you know, meet your goals and also for, for yourself uh, personally, um, you know, you're able, you know, people will do business with others that they trust. If they don't trust you, even if you have the same, the best product, whatever people will doubt, and you may not have that sustainable business that you thought you had. Uh, so you gotta be, uh, you know, you gotta create those relationships. You gotta get to know people, you get to understand what their needs are and not just sell, sell, sell what's just, whatever you're, you're offering it's, you got to understand what are your needs, what, what are the, you know, the other person's needs, what they want, whether it is, you know, service, whether, whether, whether it's price, uh, whether it is quality and you got to focus on that. <laughs> and then of course, and then you make friends out of it and you meet, you know, and you, and you meet people on the way and then who, who knows, you know, where you'll be uh, 10 years down the line. You may cross paths again. You may hire that person. That person may hire you. You start your own company. You may do countless amount of things, and because you, you, you know, we spend so much time working and dedicating our, ourselves to this trade that we want to be able to come out with something more than just, let's say, a sale. <laughs> Why not come out with a friend or come out with 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 a, with a nice relationship out of it? 
So yeah, that's so many benefits. Yeah, so many benefits come from just really enjoying working with people. And if you don't see the value, if you don't see the good in people, and you treat them like transactions, yeah, they may stick around. You've got a great product, but particularly when you're talking about your your own team, your own staff. People love to work for a great and fair boss, and it you know it certainly sounds like you know you have that that mentality, and you guys have that that overall culture. Well, as we begin to wrap up, and we kind of touch on our last subject of of talent, you obviously have a sales team, and you you if not, you're probably managing you know brokers or, or um, wholesalers. But do you have any advice you could give to a hiring leader? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, for a hire leader, um, depending on the industry and our industry itself is, uh, you have to get to know the, uh, the individual. It's just, we're not numbers, <laughs> uh, or, or, you know, sometimes we are depicted to be, but it's, uh, if you treat everyone as an individual and you see the value on each, on each, for each person, then you'll be able to, you know, as a hiring manager itself, you'll be able to, 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 to get to places and be able to, uh, you know, hire people that you never thought would be successful in your company and they'll succeed. Uh, and that's basically changing your paradigm on how you see people. <laughs> and it's, um, and it's difficult, you know, because it's, um, you know, there's a lot of back and forth, you know, uh, you, you think, I think the, uh, the amount of time that it takes to hire someone is actually has been shortened in the past few years. At least that's my feeling as things uh, get quicker and, and you don't get, uh, to really know someone uh, deeply before making a decision, so it becomes a little bit like a uh, like rolling the die. <laughs> um, and, uh, and 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 you know, so I think that genuinity, that getting to know the, the person, understanding their needs, as well, of course, as the company's needs, then you'll be able to see if someone will fit well within that company. And if that person will fit well within there as well, it has to be a two, it has to be like a marriage. <laughs> it's a two way street. It's not just one sided. And, uh, and, and understanding the cultural fit, I think is more important than understanding the aptitude that a person can bring to the table. Because in the long term, if that person fits in, they're going to stay with the company you're going to have a happy worker. You're going to feel better about it instead of having, let's say you have a superstar or someone that's amazing what they do, but they just don't fully fit in. <laughs> it may not last that long. Yeah, it's hard for an organization to absorb a a misfit or someone who might be slightly toxic or a drama creator. I think, I mean, it's hard to... to for me to place one category over another, I think both are equally as important. Obviously, if you're hiring more junior, you definitely want to focus on fit. You know, as you move up the value chain, obviously their their skills and their aptitude have to be higher. They have to be suited. But again, if if they're completely lacking in the culture, then I would agree. So maybe I'm contradicting myself. I, I do think yes. Obviously, you have to have that culture. Yeah, it's, it's a, a little bit, but. Yeah, but I, but I fully understand and it is important. Both things are important. It's just that I think now the soft skills are becoming a lot more important, I feel like, where people have a lot more choice <laughs> to where they want to work and what they want to do. So I'm, I'm seeing it from, a, from a, uh, an employee perspective. 
Uh, and in terms of like also of experience, you know, which we've had people, um, you know, that have hired that have worked out really, really well. That may not have been necessarily the, the most uh, qualified when it came on paper, but then they, they really fit in. And then I've had, uh, you know, I've had my experiences with uh, people that have been outstanding and amazing. They've created so many different things, but then for one reason or another, they, 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 they failed or they weren't able to succeed. And these are just circumstances, of course, you know, uh, so that I, but I do think, you know, spending a little more time on those soft skills is, is, is quite important or just figure out, you know, and one, one of the things that, that, uh, that particularly in that has to do with integrity, honesty, which I, which I think, uh, I don't know, that's a, that's a different subject that we can talk about for well, hours. But I have a zero, but I have a zero tolerance for dishonesty. You know, if, if you're lying, you're cheating, you're doing something like that. I, I just don't even give that a second chance. Uh, neither do I. So that's just, that's just a hard stop for me. And, you know, for, hopefully you guys aren't running into those issues, but you hire enough people, you do tend to run across it and I don't tolerate it. Not in, you know, not in the least bit. Other things I do, other human flaws and errors, you know, I can, I can live with and we can work on changing, but something like that, that's, you know, deceitfulness is out in my book. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. This this I, this concept of fruitology is is pretty cool. I like that. We're going to have to kind of see how that that unfolds. And yeah, the next time you're well, obviously we're not talking about buying fruit in the grocery store, but I think the next time people just go to the grocery store, I think this is going to kind of dawn on them. They're going to start looking at all the different types and the varieties. And then, of course, magnify that over a, a global supply chain, you know, cherry picking literally the, the very, very best, minimally processing it and getting it to the world's best, you know, pastry, pastry chefs and um, into, the, into the world of mixology. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I haven't given a lot of thought to fruit, and I'm, I'm really glad that you were able to kind of show us something that maybe people hadn't really thought about that much. Well, thank you, Tony. You know, I think the opportunity to talk about it, I think, you know, we need more exposure and for people to, to, to understand that, you know, even, even on this supply chain side, we are trying to do our best to improve humanity and what people eat and what people consume and what they put into their bodies. So I'm happy to be, to have shared at least some knowledge. Oh, no, you did. You, you definitely have started us on that path and we'll, we'll have another follow-up. We'll get, you know, we'll find something that makes a lot of sense in the world of food and, and fruit. And we'll have another, have another session. Maybe we'll go a little bit deeper into, you know, one of these little areas that, that we've touched on. Juan, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us here on winning at work. What's the very best way for people to connect with you? Is that just on LinkedIn? Do you have yeah, other social? Way, yeah. Best way is through LinkedIn. That's uh, I've got my contact information there from email to, uh, you can send me a private message or, you know, even messing me. I think I have my phone even there <laughs> that people can, can uh, take a look and send, you know, call you're me a up. brave man putting your phone on LinkedIn. I know, I know, <laughs> but it's helped. It's helped more than it's been, it's my, been my experience. a pain. Good. Yeah. Well, again, thanks so much for joining us and we will talk to you soon. Thank you, Tony. Looking forward to our next chat. Take care.